Welcome back to our discussion about The Chosen. And we are looking currently at season one. So we're going through all week and then next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So today we're going to be looking at episode three of season one. So some of you may have watched the new episode from season two last night, and it's really hard not to talk about that, but we're not talking about that. We are talking about season one, episode three. So it's the shortest episode in season one. Um, Interestingly enough, both episode threes in season one and season two are short episodes, Um, but it's the shortest episode But we'll talk about today why I think it's a very important episode, because I think it sets the groundwork for two vital themes of The Chosen. So we're going to look at that today. So it's a short episode, but I really think it sets the stage for two vital themes that The Chosen, um, I don't know if it's why Dallas made The Chosen, but I think it's two themes that The Chosen presents very well. So Hopefully you can hear me. I know my mom's here, a few other people here. Um, And let's get started with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, so we do have a short episode today. It's only about a half an hour. So the episode itself is about as long as I've been talking about the in the other two episodes. So today may be a little shorter, um, but we'll see. There's a lot to talk about, even though it's a short episode. And there's some stuff I want to throw out at, to you to see your thoughts. And so um, get ready to put some stuff in the chat if you are watching live. So episode three is really a fan favorite. I think a lot of people will say this is their favorite episode of season one. Um, I go back and forth. I don't think it's my favorite, um, but I do really love it. So it's a fan favorite. Dallas described the episode as charming, which I think is a great way to describe this episode. This episode's a little different than any other episode we've had yet because we don't see our four main characters. So the last couple of days, we've talked about our kind of four main characters throughout this series. We have Matthew, Nicodemus, Mary Magdalene, and Simon. So those are kind of our four main characters as we look at what it means to be chosen by Christ. Remember the very first day we kind of talked about how the chosen has multiple levels of meaning. The chosen doesn't just refer to the anointed one, the chosen one. Jesus, but it also refers to the chosen people, the Jews. It also refers to the chosen of those who've been chosen to follow Christ. And I think in a real way, it refers to us that we should find ourselves, our own story in the story of the chosen because we have been chosen. So this episode, we don't see our four main characters. We don't see any of those, um, those storylines. We really jump to kind of this other view. And really, we see more of Jesus than we ever have. Um, So the episode doesn't begin with a flashback. You know, I said at the beginning how much I loved how the episodes either begin with an Old Testament reference or a flashback. This one doesn't, um, once again. But um, it really begins with that prayer of Christ. Again, if you watched it, maybe if you've only seen it once, Um, And that's what I hope to also do with these conversations. If you've only seen the episodes once, 
some things might be very confusing. Um, I know people have said in the chat, like, I didn't catch that or I didn't know what was happening. So I'm hoping these kind of help flesh out some maybe questions too that you may have had. When I first watched it, I was like, it was so dark on YouTube. Um, Cause again, I think the quality on YouTube is very different than the quality on the app. And it's a lot darker, I think. Um, maybe it's just my computer screen. Um, but it was very dark and, um, I was like, what's happening? Who is this? And I, I recognized Jesus's voice, but we had seen so little of Jesus that I wasn't quite sure what was happening. Um, and you know, again, like the first time you watch it, you're just kind of trying to get your arms around what's happening. Um, Brandy, that's great. Yes. Like go back and rewatch it. Um, hopefully you, um, you know, like rewatch it right before we talk about it. And then yes, hopefully you'll have some, some, uh, some new insights. Um, and like I said, I have some questions for you all today that I'm going to throw out that I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, so then this first episode in the first beginning, it's very dark, but we see Christ praying. Um, and so, yes, like Christina, you're right. Like you think, Oh, are we going back in time? Because I kind of set that up for you all saying that all the episodes were flashbacks and this one once again is not, um, but you're like, what's happening? My first thought to tell you the truth, when I heard Jesus praying, when I very, very first watched it was, are we in the garden of Gethsemane? For me, it was very evocative of Jesus in the garden. Um, and I think it's really interesting to see kind of the passion of his prayer um, during that night prayer. It's a very passionate prayer that um, I think it really foreshadows the garden, the weight of his mission. I think we see it in his prayer. And there's this like juxtaposition between the weight of his prayer, the passion of his prayer at night, and then his joy during the day. I mean, it almost seems like two different people, right? That there's this weight of his mission um, in this unity with the father. Um, that I think is really striking in the beginning. Um, and so I think we're seeing that there's there's more to Jesus, right? There's this, this weight of this mission and this unity with the Father. I mentioned that I think this episode really um, draws up two themes for the rest of the chosen. And one of these themes is the incarnation, is that Christ was truly man. Um, so one thing... Um, Oh, Christina, that's interesting. He seemed like it was a sorrowful prayer and he was sad later watching the children pray. So I'm going to, I'm going to mention that. Um, I too noticed kind of that sorrow when the children were praying the Shema. And so, yes, we're going to talk about that. Um, at first I thought you did say play. And so I was like, that's interesting, but you're right. Prayer. We're going to talk about that. Um, so I think really the theme of the incarnation of Christ becoming man, true man, um, that he's truly, he takes on our human nature, right? He's a divine person. Um, he's not a human person. He's a divine person that takes on a fully human nature to suffer with us, to live with us, to laugh with us, to be with us. Um, that's what I really love about the chosen is it shows Christ as man. It shows kind of that fully human nature that he possesses. He's fully human. And um, that's what I really love. And that's what I think comes out in this episode. We haven't yet seen it in episode one and two, partly because we've barely seen Jesus in episodes one and two, right? Um, he hasn't been the main character of these, of these first two, of the first two episodes, but we get kind of this glimpse here and that we really focuses again, we're actually really focusing on Abigail and Joshua, but Jesus obviously is much more um, prominent in this episode. 
this episode, it really comes out that he is man. Um, and this is a Jesus that I don't think we see in, we'd see well done in any other depiction. Um, this, this fully God and fully man. Um, the, obviously I think the, um, the passion does this very well, but we see such a, a small time of Jesus's life in the passion by, with Mel Gibson and Jim Caviezel that um, the other depictions like Jesus of Nazareth, uh, Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, maybe you have sentimental attachment to it. Um, you know, Zeffirelli's film, but um, to me, he never felt like man. He felt like this creepy, like God ghost. I don't know. He was like otherworldly to me in that movie. And then we have the depictions um, on the opposite side of the spectrum from as innocuous or, or innocent as Godspell or Jesus Christ Superstar and as awful as the last temptation of Christ, where we just have Jesus as, as really like this dude that's like really cool and hip or that maybe have this special mission, but he's not God. So what really impresses me with The Chosen is um, kind of holding this tension between being God and man and um, that mystery of the incarnation, right? That's the mystery of the incarnation, that God is that God became man and that Jesus is truly God and truly man. And that's what we wrestled with as a, as a church for three centuries, more than that. Um, you know, not just the council of Nicaea, but into the, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth centuries of how do we, how do we vocalize this mystery? And people kept getting it wrong. Right. And that's what we call heresy. Um, but I think the chosen does a really good job of holding this, this mystery of God, of Jesus being fully God and fully man. So I think that really comes out in this episode in two ways. One, we see him working and I love seeing him work. Um, he makes a fire. Did anybody else think, wow, you created fire and yet you're really struggling with making this fire. I mean, he wasn't struggling, but, but he, he made the, the, he, he could have just said, boom, I want fire, right? Um, he is the same God that in the book of Kings, you know, Elijah just prays and fire comes down from heaven and ignites his sacrifice, right? This is the same God who now has limited himself to being um, the limitations of, of man and has let himself be limited, right? Um, right, Christina, you're absolutely, yes. So in the gospel of Thomas, which is a, which is a, um, is not a, a canonical gospel. It's not a gospel accepted by Christianity. Um, you know, even as a little boy, he was doing crazy things like making little clay sculptures of birds come to life. Um, and and this is that's not that's not uh, the incarnation. That's not Christianity, right? Um, and this is that that God limited Himself to the limitations of human of human nature, and He made a fire when he could have just been like, boom, I want fire, right? Um, and so we see him making a fire when he's the creator of fire. We see him uh, working. We see him creating things. Um, and this was his life for 30 years, right? 30 years, Christ is working. Well, okay, so not when he's like two or three, okay? Um, so maybe like 25 years. He's, he's creating things in Joseph's workshop right? He's, he's building things. Um, he's using his hands, his human hands to, to build doors and tables and probably to, to, to chisel, maybe to chisel stone, right? He's a craftsman. Um, and so I think that that beautiful idea of our work is our co-creation with the creator. Like we are co-creators. That's the dignity of human work. If you notice when Adam is put in the garden, um, he's told to till and keep it. 
He's told to work the garden. Work isn't a result of the fall. There's a dignity to work. It's not the result of the fall. The fact that work stinks is a result of the fall. But the idea that we are to work with our hands, to to take the gifts of the Lord, the garden, and to produce things with it, right? That's the the way that we are co-creators, co-workers with God. And so we see that so beautifully, I think, in the scene, in the scenes where we see him creating things. And if I don't know if you you noticed, but he actually said it is good, right? Um, it's it's they're not hiding the fact that this is a co-creator, right? It's the same words that he used at creation when he created the world, he's now using when he's creating, you know, a lock and key. So he's cooperating with himself. That's weird. No, we cooperate with God when we create. And so um, even when God became man, he was a creator. He worked with his hands. I hope that makes sense. Um, I do want to know. So if anybody has insights into this, I want to know why you think he made a lock and key. Um, I really, I've really thought about it. Um, so that's one of the things. So he's making lots of things, right? And he kind of puts the kids to work, which I think is really cute, right? He's like, you can come hang out with me, but we got to work. Um, do, do you guys have any ideas? I don't know. Like I've thought about it. Um, one of the things we see him really working on is a lock um, and a key. And I because everything in the chosen seems to have meaning and kind of this ulterior meaning, meaning um, I don't think it was just by chance that Dallas would have chosen not chosen um, chosen that for him to make. And so I was trying to think of, you know, there's no parable Christina. That's, that's interesting. He's preparing to give the keys to Peter. That's possible. Um, I think if Dallas was Catholic, I'd be like, absolutely. Um, but um, yeah, I just, if anybody has any insight or did, if anybody got anything in their own prayer about that, um, why, why would he make a key? I just think there's something there that I'm missing. And so I would love your, your thoughts or your insights. And if you're watching this, a lot of people watch this delayed. They don't watch it live. Um, you know, you can always comment on the video itself too. So if you're watching this archived, go ahead and comment on the video. I'd love to know your thoughts about what, um, why you think he made the key. I love that too, Christina. He goes on to unlock the mysteries of the Messiah for the children. I love that. So maybe that's, that's too. Um, and that's a good segue to kind of the second theme. Although I have something else to say about, I won't segue yet. Um, I won't segue yet, but if, if you have more thoughts about the keys and the, the lock, please let me know. Um, another indication of the incarnation. So he works. I said, I think I said, I, there are two things that really spoke to me in this incarnational, um, point of this episode. He works and he hurts himself. Um, and that really, um, you saw him stretching, which I think was really powerful, right? Um, he's stretching and he even hurts himself while he's working. And so we have that precious blood spilled over work really. And so you see him bandage himself up um, again, showing us he can suffer, right? That's why he became man was to suffer. God, before he became man, God could not suffer. Um, God is unable to change and suffering is change. Passability is change, right? So God couldn't suffer unless he became man. And so he became man 
to suffer for us. And so I think those two instances in this episode remind us of the mystery of the incarnation, that he worked and that he suffered. Um, and so that's one of the themes I think the chosen does very well, especially in this first season. Um, and so I think that idea that like, that God became man is really hit home in this sh very short episode. And we'll see more of it much more, um, you know, in his little wink to Barnaby that I really liked in the second episode, he has a sense of humor. He jokes around that he really comes forward as uh, as a man. Um, he wanted to sleep longer when the children came to see him. Wasn't that the best when he opened his eyes and they're all staring at him. He just, he was so human. And I, I love that. Okay, so so that's what I think the first mystery it kind of reveals um, is this idea of the incarnation. The second thing um, that I think it shows us is that we are to be like little children, right? Um, that we are to not just that we are to be like little children, which is over and over again, right? Like Abigail, I love Abigail. Um, she just says it like it is. There's this one scene where she's like, okay, it's time to go home. And she just gets up and leaves. And Jesus just laughs, right? That's such a thing a little kid would do, right? Oh, time to go. See ya. Um, you know, and there's sort of the same thing that we see in Matthew of like, I don't really know how to interact. You know, like I, I the social norms are, are incomplete kids are the same way, right? Um, Jesus just laughs at him. So there's this innocence, um, there's this trust, there's this openness, there's this love, like Abigail, like seems to love him right away. And I think that's one of the reasons God tells us to be like little children, right? To trust the father to there, you know, like some of the other kids are, are suspicious, right? Like what if he's a murderer? Um, but there's this like openness of Abigail that like, she just trusts him. And so often we don't trust the Lord, right? Um, we don't believe that the Lord has our goodness in mind. That's the whole story of scripture, right? From the very beginning, Adam and Eve in the garden at that sin doubted the Lord's goodness for them, right? They doubted that the father loved them. They thought they knew better. They doubted that the father's plan was the best plan. And all throughout the Old Testament, that's the story of God trying to reveal to the, the chosen people, I do love you, right? I want what's best for you. And he reveals that most fully in the coming of the son. So we see this, like, why should we be like little children? Because we just need to trust the father. We just need to have that openness of, of little children to trust, um, which is, is so beautifully manifested in Abigail. But the other theme, the other point about being little children is, you know, kids weren't exactly highly valued at the time. Um, it's not that they didn't, they didn't value children. They thought it was good to have children, right? Because you needed inheritance. You needed to, you needed someone to work the fields. You needed to pass on your line. So barrenness was seen as a curse, not having you know children. But the idea that children, you know, only had value in that they could do something for you, right? Um, and so children weren't necessarily high, you know, members of civilization because what could they really do until maybe they could work fields or, you know, um, and Jesus comes to show us that our worth is not in what we can do. Our worth is not from what we contribute. Our worth is not from what we produce. We can't earn that worth. Our worth is in who we are. And that's what I think this episode reminds us. And that's what the whole series reminds us of is that Matthew and Nicodemus and Mary and Peter couldn't earn the Lord's love. They didn't need to earn the Lord's love, right? Um, their worth wasn't in their wealth. 
for Matthew, their education in Nicodemus, um, their, their passion and their ability to, to get out of hard situations like Peter, um, their inventiveness, I guess, um, or in their beauty or in their, um, you know, whatever Mary, Mary just doesn't think she has worth at all. Right. Your worth is in who you are. It's not in what you do. It's not in what you could tr- contribute. It's not in what you produce. It's in who you are. And that's what these children remind us of, right? Um, our worth is in that we are made in the image and likeness of God and that he loves us. And so that's kind of the theme of Elisa's first season. The chosen is God loves us and God calls us, not because we're worthy to be called, but because he loves us. Um, and so we were created out of love, in love, for love. And that's what these children remind us to, right? Our worth is in who is is who we are. Um, Abigail and 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 Joshua, those kids couldn't really do anything for Jesus, you know. They couldn't. They weren't really, um, you know. They weren't going to be kind of. Um, they weren't going. They, they, he wasn't benefiting from them really, right? Um, that's okay, right? Their worth is in who they are, um, and it is such a necessary lesson for today. A couple other themes. One, God's ways are not our ways, right? He chooses people that we wouldn't choose. I think that's again and again um, the lesson of the chosen that look at who he's chosen, right? Um, But these little kids get it more than the adults. And um, Christina, you alluded to Jesus being sad during the Shema, right? So he's very emotional during the praying of the Shema. Is he sad? Is he happy? We don't, you know, it's hard to tell. And I've thought a lot about that emotion that he shows. Is he thinking about their innocence? Um, is he is he grieving over the loss of their innocence someday? Is he thinking about how accepting they are, how faithful they are? And is he thinking about future rejection that, um, you know, he comments that, you know, his future disciples might not be as smart as the kids, might not be as accepting as the kids. And so, in their innocence and in their openness and in their faithfulness of reciting the Shema, does he see a a foreshadowing of the opposite when it comes to preaching this to adults? You know, he proclaims Isaiah to them. Um, The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Something in the gospels he proclaims in the synagogue to their parents. He proclaims it first to them. And I think it's a beautiful reminder that God's ways are not our ways. His first proclamation might not be to the learned and to the wise, but to these children. Um, These children first hear this message of who he is. He speaks about how there are things that you don't understand. Um, And it's not because they're children. It's because things haven't been revealed yet. And I think that's important that he is the fulfillment of revelation, but revelation at this moment is still unfolding. And so he, um, He's revealing a lot to the children, but only so much because it's all still in the process. So, um, yes, Christina. So, yes, that's why his emotion in the Shema surprised me, right? It was like, why is he sad? Um, Because they were being so faithful. Um, And I don't know whether he was sad or whether he was so overcome with love that he was choked up. You know, I also think, yeah, was he sad about their future, about his future? You know, is it was it sadness or was it um, an overcome of, of, of passion and emotion for all these things? Um, because they were being obedient. Um, and again, he never we talked about this yesterday, but 
God doesn't condemn obedience by any means. That's not why he condemns the scribes and Pharisees. He condemns the hypocrites. And so the children are manifestations of that beautiful innocence of, of they're not hypocritical in the least. Um, and so I don't know whether he necessarily was sad, but whether he was actually just kind of emotional um, for that or just passionate about that. So um I, let's see. So, yes. So I think some of your insights about lock and key are very important. I think he is unlocking the mystery for these children again, before he's unlocking it for the adults. Um, but just to kind of wrap up, um, I think one of the themes that God chooses these little kids, right? He chooses these little kids to manifest himself first. That's not the way we would have done it. Um, but that's the way the Lord does it. And I think those two themes of the incarnation, um, that he is fully man that we're going to see so beautifully throughout the show and the importance of being like children and understanding that our worth doesn't come from our wisdom or our wealth or our power or our popularity, but comes from who we are as sons and daughters of God. Um, yes, I think, um, mom, you're right as well, right? Like Jesus is looking down through the ages and seeing our unfaithfulness. Um, I really saw him being moved by the faithfulness of the children and juxtaposing that with the unfaithfulness of generations and of adults and perhaps of their parents. You know, I mean, one thing that we don't really think about is that Christ was rejected by his own townspeople. He was rejected by the people who knew him growing up. The, you know, we're not talking about hundreds and thousands and millions of, of Jews in this time, right? We're talking about a very small number of people. He would have known those who rejected him. He would have been friends with those who rejected him. And so that would have been overwhelming as well. Um, who knows? I mean, we don't know what the, you know, who knows who these kids' parents are um, and if they might someday, um, but he knows, right? He knows. So, and who knows who these kids are, right? So um, I think that's it. So our discussion was almost as long as the actual episode. So tomorrow, and I put the link at the top, if you scroll at the top of the chat, you'll see a couple different links. You'll see a link to um, Substack, my Substack. So if you want updates on my work, I write there occasionally. That's a, a good way to keep up with my work. If you want to help support my work that I can continue to do these things, that link's up there. But then also the link for tomorrow's live stream is up there as well. So I'm actually going to pin that. Um, so that's pinned. Um, and so you want to see um, tomorrow's live stream. We're going to talk about episode four, which again is another fan favorite. I think Dallas has said this is one of his favorites, um, if not his absolute favorite. So episode four, we're going to see a little bit more with Simon um, and the call of Simon. So don't miss it. Come back 3.30 and... Um, Yes. So I think that's my sister, actually. I wonder if perhaps these same children will show up in a later episode when Jesus chides the apostles. I absolutely think they will. Um, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for thus is the kingdom of heaven. I absolutely think it's going to be Abigail and Joshua. It has to be, right? I mean, it just the thought that like he would have known these children. These children were like, hey, this is our friend Jesus. And uh, the apostles were like, whoa, 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 whoa. And he's like, hey, I'd rather hang out with them than you, right? So, um, so yes, Christina, Christina is watching it as we are doing this, which I find really exciting. So Christina, remember where we left Simon off last episode and, uh, tomorrow's episode will pick up right there. So, so you won't get another flashback. So I made this up about how, like, it always starts with a flashback. 
not tomorrow. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, today's didn't start with a flashback. Episode four doesn't either. So just to, just to put you in the scene, you're going to start right back up where episode two ended. So thank you all for joining us. Come back tomorrow at three 30, where we'll look at another great episode. If you have any questions, throw them in the comments at any time and we will chat tomorrow.